good to be speaking to you, uh, and I would add my wholehearted endorsement and encouragement to be here this evening um, for Come and Worship. The, the punctuation, by the way, it's not Come and Worship Haven't, as if we're worshipping Haven't. Uh, we're coming to worship God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, um, but we're doing it in Haven't. Um, we're going to encounter God as we worship um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. I think it's a great opportunity, really, for the whole church to kind of get behind what God is doing here uh, and to support us uh, in, in that. Um, so it's important for us. I think it's important for, for Grace Church um, across our three sites. Really, really exciting evening. Um, but uh, as Jonathan said earlier, we're, we're in our preaching series through the book of Joshua, uh, of Exodus, rather. I'm reading Joshua. I don't know why I went there. Um, of Exodus, um, I mean Joshua personally, not this morning. Um, and we are in chapter 19 and 20, uh, and we get to the very famous Ten Commandments uh, and the beginning of the law being given. If there is anything that I want to, uh, to get through this as we preach through the book of Exodus, to get anything into your mind, it, it is this, that, that we are in chapter 19 and 20 this morning. So what has happened so far? Everything. They, they have been, the people of Israel have been set free from slavery in Egypt. They've, uh, all the plagues, like the firstborn, and you can catch up, do catch up the series if you've missed any parting of the Red Sea, God has saved Israel and we're in chapter 19 and 20 where we get to the Ten Commandments. That is the order, the order of things. It goes out of slavery and then into obedience, not the other way around. So this, this series, out of slavery and, and then into obedience, not the other way. God's grace always precedes God's law. God's grace always goes, comes before God giving law. And we'll look at that today as we look at the Ten Commandments. And I'm not really, not going to kind of go through the Ten Commandments in that sense, but talk about what they mean, what is their place uh, in, in this story and, and, and also then in our story. And it is this, so, so in this story, God's grace has preceded God's law. He has already saved them by grace. Then he gives the law. That is the same for us. That is always true with God. It, it's, not, it's not you're rescued if there's obedience. You're, you're rescued into obedience. It's an it's a important distinction. That is the one thing. I want you to get anything from this series. It is out of slavery. Grace comes first. And then obedience but obedience does come. That's a constant truth. Uh, and we need to understand the context of the Ten Commandments, that they, where we are in this story. They're in the Old Covenant, as, is, as it's now known. Um, the, the Mosaic Covenant. Christians today, we are under the New Covenant. We're in a different covenantal situation, which is very important and significant. The word testament, by the way, it just means covenant. So when we read the Old Testament, we're reading the Old Covenant. When we read the New Testament, the New Covenant that we are under as well. Um, 
And so it remains true that God's grace always precedes God's law. And the old and the new covenant are the same in that. And yet, also, the new covenant is even better than the old. It's not dismissive to say, that's not to say that the old was not good. The new covenant is even greater. We'll see there, uh, we'll see that this morning we'll get there eventually as we uh, try and understand where we are today. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to get your head around the Ten Commandments in, in some ways. It's, it's complicated, maybe a bit technical this morning. I hope God will be speaking uh, as we look through it. I'm going to ask three questions um, about these, the, the law, about the Ten Commandments. Who were they given to? We'll, we'll look at that. Why were they given? And then what do they mean for us today? Which are important questions to understand. Who were they given to? Why were they given? What about us? Let's read from uh, Exodus chapter 19. If you've got a Bible, then do open it up to, to chapter 19, but the, the words will come up on the screen. Guy, if you could click through the words, that would be helpful. Um, I'll read the first, verse, uh, the first eight verses of, of chapter 19, and then we'll, read, we'll jump down to, to chapter 20. 19, verse 1. On the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, after they left, right? Already been saved. On that very day... They came to the desert of Sinai. After they set out from Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai, and Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my, com- my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. We'll jump to chapter 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin, for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honour your father and your mother so that it You may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor, your neighbor's house. You shall not 
covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you, to keep you from sinning. The people remained at a distance while Moses approached thick darkness where God was. We'll, we'll stop there. Three, three questions then on these Ten Commandments. Uh, and uh, we'll work through. For each one, I'll kind of give a brief answer and then a bit of a longer answer and explain them, them through. Uh, this, this first question, who were they given to? Who was the law, who were the Ten Commandments given to? And it's, it's an important question. We need to understand as we read the Bible and try to understand it and interpret and apply what this Bible says, um, that, that it is a story. The Bible is, is one long story made up of lots of little stories. And uh, so you need to know when a command is given, what's going, when was that said? One, one example people have used, so in, um, in Lord of the Rings, Gandalf will say, uh, near the beginning, he says to Frodo and Sam, to go to the prancing pony in Bree. And, uh, uh, and then the, Gandalf says, he'll meet them there. So there's a command, he says, this, ma- this position of authority says, go to the prancing pony, um, and they do that. They do what they're told um, at the beginning. But like, if, if later on, when they're you know, just about to, they're near Mordor or whatever, and they say, do you know what? Gandalf told us to go to the prancing pony, so we should go to the prancing pony. Th- then they would have got it wrong, because there's a moment when that command was given to be obeyed, and and uh, we don't need to understand the story. The, the, the Bible is a story, and commands are given in a context. Um, the brief answer, who were these commands given to, is a rescued Israel. That is who they were given to. They were already rescued. I've, I've said that enough times. Just read um, verses 3 to 6 of chapter 19 again. Then Moses went up to God... Uh, that, like up the mountain by the way not kind of our like just went up to him um, went up to God uh, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant then out of all nations you will be my treasured, treasured possession Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There's a, that they're given to a people who have already been rescued. Those whom God has already rescued. Again, we're not in chapter 2, we're in chapter 20 when God gives this. And verse 4, as I've just read, is all about what God has done. You have seen what I did to Egypt. How I carried you on eagle's wings it's a lovely picture it's it's an intimate picture that god is giving i carried you on eagle's wings it's effortless you're you're soaring through um there's there's lord of the rings imagery again actually um soaring and just it was it was effortless for you what god has already done we can't we, we we can't think of the old testament as law and the new testament as grace 
that's just too simplistic. It's not accurate. It's not how it goes. Being, they've been saved by grace. That's what's happened. Now, a good question you may have noticed, a good question to ask is, well, what about the if in verse 5? So it says, God says, Now, if you obey me fully and keep my, com- my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. First, like I think that's a good question. First thing to say on it is that God says, if you obey me and keep my covenant. So that covenant in verse 5 is, is God's covenant. It's, it doesn't say our covenant. It's not like, well, if you keep our deal, if you keep our contract, then, then this will happen. Because he says, if you keep my, my covenant, because it already exists. God has already entered into this covenantal relationship with it. So it is now to be kept. That, that is like preserved, uh, looked after. And, and so it's not to be created, but guarded. It's one thing. And then secondly, it's important that we understand we are, when God says that, he's, he's talking about covenant enjoyment and not, not status. It's how much you enjoy this rather than, than whether this determines who you are. I feel like this is the kind of thing that can just seem like, well, that's, that's what you want it to mean. You know, that's, that's how you're reading. Uh, this is not, it's not just kind of me. This, uh, so here's a quote from uh, a guy called Alec Motya, who is one of the leading Old Testament scholars, right, of, of the last few uh, years, really. Uh, he says in his commentary on these verses, the significant if with which verse 5 opens relates not to covenant status, but to covenant enjoyment. That's his words. Uh, he says elsewhere, It was not therefore that they were ordered to obey in order that they may enter the covenant, but that already being within the covenant, they were called to obey so that they might enjoy the benefits and privileges of God's people. What was true of the old covenant is true of the new, and we enter on exactly the same basis of grace and continue in exactly the same obedience of faith. So we're getting into the, to the why there, but the important thing, God's grace always precedes God's law. That, that's what's being underlined here. Who, who were they given to? They were given to those who God had already rescued and entered into covenant with, and they were given to those whom God was and is jealous for. He's already demonstrated that the whole earth is his. God can do what he wants. He, he owns everything. He is in charge of everything. He says, verse, which one it is, six or seven, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests. So he's demonstrated the whole earth is his. Now these people are to be his treasured possession, this kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And then... Uh, verse 4 of, of um, chapter 20 in, in the Ten Commandments you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below you shall not de- bow down to them or worship them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God interesting way to describe himself I don't know what you most covet it's, it's probably what you're most what, or what you're most jealous for it's, I don't know if you spend time scrolling through something whatever that is whether it is um 
I don't know, phones or like as in, that, that would be one for me, that's why it always comes to my mind, scrolling through what's the new phone, what's the new tech out there, the new laptop or houses or, or ways to improve, it, it may just be scrolling through other people who look good and, and you're coveting looking like that. Um, the tenth commandment, the last one, is don't do that, don't covet, don't want what other people have and yet God says he is jealous and not just jealous but he's jealous for people which is kind of the worst kind of jealousy generally as we would see it we don't you can't be jealous for people as if you own those things or you have a right to that God's jealousy is is different it's unique we got to understand that he uh, our jealousy is kind of tainted with suspicion when it comes to people He's like, what is going on there? I'm jealous of that. Now God knows everything. He's not suspicious in every way. He knows it all. Terry Virgo says this uh, on these verses, talking of God's jealousy. God has no illusions. Suspicion is foreign to him since he knows everything. God's jealousy, therefore, must be understood as the purest of loves, expressing the utter horror that any loving husband would feel at the thought of sharing his wife with another. Israel was his treasured, his special treasure, loved by him with an everlasting love. This is not fundamentally about rule keeping, but loyalty. He is not a fastidious deity with an itemized checklist, but a loving, jealous God looking for love and loyalty from those he had lovingly redeemed. God, God loves his people so much. That's why he's jealous for them. The, the Ten Commandments, they are given not to just some minions. They're given to his beloved people, his treasured possession. You go to the, to the New Testament, first, 1 Peter 2, verse 9. And it, these, these verses are totally echoing, echoing what God has said here. And it says, to the church, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. As people, we want treasure, we, we want things. Even more than that, we want to be treasured. And God calls his people his treasured possession, treasured by God. Ten Commandments, they were given to a rescued Israel. So they weren't given to everyone. It wasn't everyone should do this. This is for the people of God uh, who had already been redeemed. That's who they were given to. Next question, why? Why Why were they given? Why did God give uh, the people of Israel the Ten Commandments? The simple, the brief answer is to be obeyed. Let's, let's not overcomplicate things. God gave them a law that they would be obedient, that they would, uh, they would obey the law. Uh, that's obviously a little bit too simplistic, but, but it's, it's, it's also it's true. It's not to, to overcomplicate it. They are for Israel to obey and flourish as a result. You may have heard it said that Christianity is, is not about rules, but about relationship. And I get that. That's helpful to, to a degree. I understand what people are saying there. But it can, it's a bit simplistic. It's a bit, um, it doesn't quite add up, really. And it kind of implies that the Old Testament, the Judaism, that was all about rules. And now Christianity is all about relationship. 
and really both are about both. I, I, I don't think we can make that claim quite as simply as that. Relationships have rules, right? For the good of the relationship. That, that's, that's, that's how it works. So let's spell it out a bit. Uh, why were they given to be obeyed ultimately? To, to enjoy relationship. Keeping rules, it doesn't necessarily determine the status of the relationship. Again, as we're saying, it's not about are we in relationship. And that's the case here. But it is about the enjoyment of that relationship. So, you know, what, it's, it's easy to make analogies. Why do we have rules within a marriage? Which we do, don't we? For the good of the marriage. For the sake of the marriage. Why, why do I give rules to my kids? Why do I say, don't run into the road? Classic. Obvious, right? For their, for their good and for their safety. Um, but also for the sake of the relationship. We are kind of I have rules for, the, for my kids. And whether they keep them or not has some degree on how much we will enjoy our relationship. Obviously, more as they get older. It just, it's, it's not right to say that rules are in conflict with relationship. That's what I'm saying. Rules increase enjoyment of relationship. And, and importantly, whether or not the kids listen to me, they're still my kids. It's not, we're not talking about status of relationship here. We're talking about how much we get to uh, enjoy and make the most of it. It's not about cramping restrictions on the fullness of life, but the path to the fullness of life. That, that's why God is giving these things uh, for, for the sake of the relationship. Also, other, other reasons. Why were they given? They were given as identity for the people, for the Israel. They were to be known as God's people. That is their, how they were to be identified. So they should be like God. They should reflect that, at least to some degree. And the, the law is what marked them out as God's people, to be distinct from others. You know, some of this, we might think, well, that seems like archaic, but most of it really is, is very like, well, that, yeah, we go with that, that's good, it seems right to us, because we live in this kind of post-Christianized world. But in those days, this was totally, no one did this, right? I mean, even to have one God was, was crazy. Uh, it, it was um, to, be, to be a monotheistic religion, as it were, would, would have been strange. They're utterly distinct, and the law marked them out as such. And it's not that kind of obedience gave them their identity, but it's evidence of it. It's what shows that you are different. It is the evidence that you have been redeemed. God starts the Ten Commandments First thing says, God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Who they are flows out of who God is. Their identity comes from who God is because they are to be known as God's people. Their their identity flows out of what God has done. It's an amazing truth of, of Christianity and also to, to this extent, uh, to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant is that identity is received and not achieved. It's just utterly countercultural today. You find your identity, you go and achieve your identity, you express yourself, find out who you are. The Gospel says your identity is received. This is who you are. 
Now we, now we get to live it out. It's an incredible liberation to receive identity. And also, it, there's a sense in which by having a law, they're given identity. I mean, imagine having no Bible, right? There's no scriptures for them up to this point. There's no law. There's, there's, and they're suddenly given... This is great news for them. Oh, wow, we get... We get a law to write down. We get things to live by. This express, get to hear who God is in a new way. It's liberating. And they're given as identity and they're given as, as mission as well. So it's not just for their sake. It's not just for your own sake that this is the case. They're a holy nation to live in, in likeness of their saving God, their Redeemer. And their deeds are to tell something about God, to, to show to the rest of the world something of God. I, um, I, they still do this. So I'm at secondary school when uh, we, were sp- we were like walking home from school. We had blazers and we were supposed to wear our blazers. We were supposed to not take them off, certainly not take our ties off on the way home from school because we were representing the school and they wanted us to walk home and continue to represent until we got home you didn't stop which I always think I think it's in your interest that we take our ties off to be honest I'm not sure we're doing the reputation of the school any good I don't know why that's a rule that you think is helping you um, it's, it's not good strategy but, but you see the point that this, you're, you are representatives of this school and, and so, so therefore your behaviour should live in this way from the very beginning the law was like a, they were like wearing it. It's like supposed to set them apart, to be visibly different to everyone else, not just to one another, but to everyone else. And this certainly prefigures the church, right? This is what the church is and is supposed to be. That verse again, you now, the church, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And then it says, that, so that, you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So it's, you're, ho- you're different. You've got, you're distinct from the world so that everyone else can see, so that you can declare how good God is. This is right, our vision, we enjoy the grace of God and declare and demonstrate. We first enjoy, we are set apart, a holy nation, God's special possession. And now we go and declare. We tell the world of this. We show the world how uh, we, are, we are different, how God has saved us. And uh, they were given as well as proof of their sin to reveal their sin. Romans chapter 7, Paul says, uh, verse 10 to 12, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin... Seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. See, the law is good. Sin seized an opportunity, the power of sin, and revealed how we could not live up to it. No one kept it. Ultimately, the law was given to, to show that they could not fully keep the law and therefore could not fully enjoy relationship with God in their own right. You can't, yeah, these rules help the relationship, but you can't live up to it. 
In, in your own right, we cannot get right before God. We cannot have kind of unadulterated, perfect relationship with him. The, the, the law uh, revealed that. Israel, multiple times in the Old Testament, certainly the book of Hosea, is likened, the nation is likened to an adulterous wife. So there's clear rules within the relationship that would enable relationship enjoyment, and they just consistently failed to keep them. They failed to obey the law and therefore really enjoy relationship with God. They were given to be obeyed. <laughs> they were, why were they given to be obeyed? And they weren't obeyed. They were not kept and preserved. Uh, the fallen man could, could never do it. So we come then to the third question. So who were they given to a rescued Israel? Why were they given to be obeyed? But, but they weren't. So what do they mean for us today? What how should we read that? And this is important, again, and again, can be a little bit technical and, um, and difficult to get your head around, but how should we read this? Should we read this as, well, these are ten come up, this is what I should, there's a requirement on me to keep these, to, to preserve these law. And, and I kind of want to be able to give a direct, it really, really direct answer, but it's, it's just not as simple as that. Answer, what do they mean for us today? say Christians are under a new covenant that that's the thing to underline is Christians today those who have put their faith in Jesus so not anyone but Christians under a new covenant and uh, it's, it's even better Hebrews 8 verse 6 says but in fact the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one since the new covenant is established on better promises. We are under a new and different and better covenant. And it's not dismissive to say that of, of the Old Testament. That, that's, that is what is said in the New Testament. Based on better promises, a, a, a superior mediator, a superior covenant. They were given to be obeyed these Ten Commandments, and they weren't. So what does this mean? What, what are we getting at? Try and outline. Christ has fulfilled the law, and Christians are those who are in Christ. The law is fulfilled. So, so that's not abolished. Jesus says, Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The law has shown that we, we cannot keep it. We cannot enjoy, fully enjoy that relationship. So the law, it prescribes the lifestyle of God's people, but it cannot produce it. It, it says what we should be, but it cannot actually make us live up to it. So Jesus came and he has kept the law perfectly. He has fulfilled the law and he's done it on our behalf on the on, on behalf of those who have put their faith in him christians are in christ again so our identity is received not achieved now our faith and we get this identity now we are in christ we are in the one who has kept and fulfilled the law fundamentally 
the Ten Commandments are not binding on us. Now, different, different ways to interpret this. I'd say that it, directly, the, the Ten Commandments are not binding on Christian believers. They, they are fulfilled. They are part of a story. They were given at a certain time to a people, and those people were, were not us. And remember, even for Israel, it was about covenant enjoyment and not status, grace precedes law. So should we keep them? This is the question, isn't it? Should we keep them? And, and this is where you kind of want to be able to say yes or no. It's just not as simple as that. I, I'd probably say directly no, but indirectly yes it, it, is, is, is an answer. Certainly, I, we're not under the same... Uh, remit or, or compulsion to keep them as the Israelites were. It's not the same, they don't mean the same thing for us. For them, it was in order to maintain your covenantal relationship with God, keep the law, that, that's not the case for us. Now, that's not at all to be dismissive of them or to say that, as some have said, we should unhitch ourselves from it. It's not, not the, the point. They do reveal the heart and the character of God. And so in that sense, it, it, this, is, this is revealing a lot. And when I say indirectly, yes, nine out of ten at least are reinforced in the New Testament. So, so it's, it's not saying, so now... We can murder, result. Because Jesus, obviously, as you probably know, says, you've heard it said, do not commit a murder. I said, as soon as you've hated someone in your heart, you've good, as good as killed them. He ups the ante, doesn't, doesn't take it away. Uh, I'd say that uh, if, you're, if you're interested in it, the Sabbath is the one that I think that is not repeated in, this, in the New Testament in the, in, in the same way. We are in Sabbath rest, is what I'd say. But the, the, the law has been fulfilled. They're not binding on us, but they are a great gift to us still. And so Christ has fulfilled the law, and we are in Christ. So in and through Christ, we have fulfilled the law. I wouldn't, you know, it's not scriptural language, but, but it's indirectly true. And Christ, it's important to underline, has released us into obedience and not out of it. This, this, this is what we're talking about this morning, rescued into obedience. That is the, the Israelites. They've been rescued so that they may obey. And that is true of Christians. They're not rescued out of obedience. We are rescued into it. God's, God's grace always precedes God's law. Say it another way. God's law always follows God's grace. God's People are always called into obedience. Another verse from Hebrews 6, verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? That's to say, how much more should we serve God out of all that has happened to us under this new and greater covenant? than they would have done in the old. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness, the Bible says. It's out of joyful gratitude, of this, out of just thankfulness for this received identity that we are... Anyone who's really grasped the gospel will be desperate to, to follow God and obey him, to seek after him. We'll be more keen than anyone. And how do we love Jesus? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments, he says. We love him by keeping his commandments. And what are they? 
Matthew 22, very famous. Teacher, someone said to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. And what, Ten Commandments, hang on that. So it's not saying, and it's irrelevant now, this is what you should do, is, is love God and love your neighbor. The same thing that the Ten Commandments are built on, the first four, all about your relationship with God and the, the rest, the other six, about your relationship with others. Loving God, love your neighbor. And the new covenant is even better. In a, in a few minutes, we're going to, celebrate communion together and and we've got a good amount of time actually i want to enjoy this uh the new covenant is even better there's there's a bunch of ways that we could talk this out but three three particular three particularly three particular ways just to highlight in in the new covenant where we now stand as christians the law is written on our hearts that's what the bible says that's what was promised, Ezekiel 36. The promise to come, the, what will happen in the new covenant that we now stand under. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remi- remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You could, you could meditate on those verses a long time. Israel could not keep the law and their hearts were the problem. They didn't just need to just try a bit harder. They needed a heart transplant. They, they needed a new heart in that way. And we now, in this new covenant, we, we don't get in by human effort, but by being given a new heart, by, by being made new, by being new creations and then by having the spirit in us that moves us to follow his decrees and makes us careful to keep his laws that is where we stand we have a new heart the law is written on our hearts 